Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bearthug podcast. I'm your host Didi and joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode we'll be talking about the F1 Bahrain pre-season test. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our pinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant, it's great to have you here and I can't wait to talk about F1. But before we dive into it, I want to remind our listeners what a bumper weekend it's going to be next week for motorsport. Not only do we have the F1 season opener, we also have the F2 and F3 season opener. We have WEC, IMSA, MotoGP, IndyCar and NASCAR all next weekend and probably more which I don't remember. So, um I don't think I'll be leaving the TV, but you know what? Let's talk about F1. uh how what are your impressions from this last test vedant oh, well i'm positive like i'm positively hopeful first of all of course this whole week and next week is a bumper bumper weekend for motorsports and it's going to be very awesome as you rightly said but talking about last weekend and last week and the formula 1 test in bahrain the official test in bahrain <laughs> uh it was I mean I wasn't able to follow it properly so I was just checking on the live commentary periodically and of course the year uh, the day end podcasts and videos online but I think the general consensus and my opinion as well is that the teams are positively ready for 2022 but surprisingly proposing is still an issue uh yeah and we'll be probably hearing that throughout yeah. <laughs> uh the year uh not a big fan of the word but uh you know uh you did say you know teams seem to be ready but um i'll have to disagree a little bit with what has happened with mclaren williams and a couple other yeah. teams throughout <laughs> the test but you know like they say you know uh you'd rather have the problems in testing than on yeah, race day so hopefully you know yeah. they'll come back in uh in in better fashion however you know uh, i feel there were three teams that really made the headlines during testing this past week uh and, the, uh and those teams were Haas, McLaren and Mercedes. Now let's talk about Haas. Uh Kevin Magnussen is back on the grid. Now Kmag uh you know he has great relationships with the team at Haas and especially Gunther Steiner but what is your impression you know how do you feel about having Kmag back on the grid? Obviously he's been away for a year. Uh he was racing uh in IMSA for Cadillac Chip Ganassi uh for Cadillac racing I'm not I'm for, not sure yeah, about Chip Ganassi for but for Chip Ganassi Cadillac Yeah and then he also had a outing in IndyCar. Uh he's had a few podiums there but you know it's a return to F1. Yeah absolutely. I think Kevin Magnussen being back in Formula 1. I think he himself said that after I made that decision and after I gave Gunther, you know, after he gave Gunther his uh acceptance to be back in Formula 1, he once again was thinking about it and reevaluating it. so definitely it was not an easy uh, decision now of course given the history with haas the history of haas their current situation and the competitive order of formula 1 haas is not a desirable place to be in formula 1 itself and kevin magnussen with the in the dpi category in imsa was always fighting for the wins uh, all the time you know uh, so it was a difficult challenge uh, difficult decision for him definitely but being back in formula 1 is in my opinion a no brainer and when you know the team so well and when you know the team has been investing in fo- in the in this new regulations throughout last season they look very promising 
and it's a new set of regulations so you can make the best of them uh i mean yeah it's it's definitely nice to have came back uh i wasn't ever a came back fan uh when he was an f1 yeah. so for me it was you know uh it, it was a very uh neutral addition yeah, I mean, or re-addition to he the was grid. just uh, another uh, racing driver as such yeah yeah uh and uh you know uh but yeah like you pointed out uh Haas may not be the best place to be right now from a pr standpoint but from a technical and competitive standpoint you know uh Haas might just be springing a surprise on us and uh, looking at the times they have been posting in testing uh you know we shouldn't be surprised if if they are in the upper midfield or you know uh competitive within the midfield uh going into the season uh, now talking about the testing times and their you know run in the testing obviously Haas uh, had a freight issue they didn't have their uh you know they didn't have their components delivered on time which is why they missed the first uh, half day uh, of day 1 of testing in bahrain uh, however uh, you know they got to run uh, you know extra hours after each day i think they got 1 hour each on uh, friday and they on thursday and friday and then one, two hours yeah. on saturday okay, yeah. yeah and then a total of, total of four hours over the over the three days of testing but my question vedant is why did the teams oppose the decision to let haas run for an extra session on sunday because it seems counterintuitive to me at first to let them run after the evening session on the three official testing days because it seems that they would get better data you know during the evening especially uh, regarding next weekend in bahrain where, where we'll be racing during that particular time yeah it's it's interesting and so i i haven't read entirely into it but i think there was like apart from the teams comp- uh, teams opposing it including mclaren and i think it was uh, aston martin or alpine but anyway I think there was another issue which was that testing should have been completed in three consecutive days as per the FIA regulations and the you know SOP uh, the like the the documents basically so I think that was a second fault to it a second degree to it and that is why they got the extra hours on the three allocated days but as you rightly said the evening the data from the evenings in bahrain was really representative of next weekend and it gave them few glory runs because the temperatures were far far less than the day yep uh, and haas needs all the glory runs they can get uh, to get those uh, you know sponsors lined up yeah i mean kevin magnuson kevin magnuson went fastest right in his car as soon as he got in So yeah and uh, so did Mick Schumacher on the final day of testing yeah, yeah. so you know uh, and and that really got people talking and excited about Haas uh, including me so we'll see we'll see how uh, how they do uh, but you know I have to say I really like the new Haas livery without the blue uh, but I also wish you know since it is just Haas at the moment that they revert back to the gray black white and red livery they used to have uh, back in 2016 2017 um, I I really used to like that yeah absolutely I mean the OG Haas livery that Haas used in nascar as well is is uh, quintessentially na- has right so i think we want to see that back but absolutely but uh, uh, like from an economic side of point of view i think it's a great story for has that gene has is now willing to invest in the team himself so a lot of the fans the general consensus among the fans was that urul kali was a majority investor but as we now know and as the journalist have pointed out several times that they were a minor investor and jean has still retained 
major investment and now that Jin has seized the potential and seized the level playing field from the you know financial regulations i think it's great that Jin has is investing in the team once again yeah, absolutely. And like I've said, you know, don't be surprised if Haas do well. And I've said this uh, ever since, you know, uh, last season. And there have been questions about, you know, especially when Haas didn't get a lot of running during the first test in Barcelona. Oh, that they're still, you know, at the back of the pack. Yeah. But I've said, you know, there was a lot of talent transfer from Ferrari to Haas. And Simon Resta, I believe, is, you know, heading technical development in Haas. And he's been in F1 for a long, long time. So do not, you know, count out, uh, you know, count out Haas as a contender, as a genuine contender in the 2022 season. Yes, operationally, they haven't been the best over the past few years. And uh, that is something that need, they need to work on. So they might be on a similar situation like AlphaTauri has been for the last couple of years, where they've had a great car, but they haven't been able to get the best out of it, uh, you know, uh, from a performance and an operational standpoint. But anyway, enough about Haas. Let's talk about uh, the second team that made a lot of different headlines during testing, uh, McLaren. Now, obviously, Dan Ricciardo uh, did not take part in testing at Bahrain. He tested positive for, positive for COVID. And there's question marks on whether or not he'll be uh, available for race one. Uh, obviously, we hope that he recovers quickly and, does, and tests negative for COVID on Friday morning so that he can partake in the practice sessions and in the race uh, on next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's the last thing that McLaren wanted, that one of their drivers for the season is not there for the testing because i mean while lando norris's feedback is there but daniel ricardo's feedback is his own and it's obviously different from lando norris and their programs were already set in place before they landed in bahrain so for norris to take over uh, ricardo's programs was another difficult task for norris like i assume it would have been a difficult task to make that transition as well so yeah it's the last thing you want yes especially since it was you know daniel ricardo who needed more time in that mclaren uh, given that he struggled last year so you know yeah. it was uh, he definitely needed more running than he got uh, but that is not where McLaren's struggles ended. Uh, you know, McLaren was on the back foot as the car continued to face brake cooling issues on the front axle, severely limiting their run times. Obviously, obviously they tried a, a few things, but it seems that, you know, uh, they still need to find a proper solution for the first race in Bahrain in about six days' time. Yeah, it was super disappointing because, like, while we, we could see McLaren making progress in Barcelona and we could see... All the teams making progress in Barcelona, McLaren just because of the brake issue fell behind their competitors Bahrain, yeah. in in Bahrain, yeah, just behind their competitors uh, in Ferrari and the top two teams, Mercedes and Red Bull. So, yes, like like you pointed, like especially given the fact that in Barcelona they were probably the favourites alongside uh, Ferrari, having no poisoning issues and having a phenomenal uh, three days in Barcelona, you wouldn't have expected them to have such struggles in Bahrain. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, in other news, on, on the bright side, uh, McLaren has other things that are going their way. Uh, Alpine obviously, you know, had a deal with Mc, has struck a deal with McLaren that allows Oscar Piastri to be a reserve driver for them in the 2022 season. And I think that's great news for the, F, uh, you know, 2021 F2 world champion. And um, obviously, Will Buxton was talking about this on the F1 YouTube channel. And I believe uh, he, he, you know, pointed out something that might just be possible that, you know, if the F2 world champion does not uh, get an F1 seat the following year, uh, they should be given a reserve driver role for all teams across the grid so that they might have a chance to step into, you know, 
not just obviously you know testing has become compulsory almost for junior drivers uh, for for all teams but um, you know this might give them uh, half a chance to get into a formula 1 car yeah i mean i think it is one of the best solutions for that particular problem of a formula 2 champion not finding a seat in formula 1 but i think the biggest drawback of that is the teams won't agree because let's take oscar piastri for example he give, uh, like we hope not but if he races for mclaren in bahrain and so he knows some details about the mclaren and then if aston martin or mercedes require a reserve driver in that situation oscar piastri go, goes to mercedes or aston martin and then the exchange of secrets you know air quote secrets basically can be there so the teams might oppose to that but the underlying concept of it is brilliant and i think that should happen definitely and uh, you know uh, there was another driver deal that happened uh, this past weekend mclaren signed a driver development deal with colton herta um definitely exciting uh, you know i've always said zack brown has some big plans in motorsport not just in <laughs> f1 but it begs the question you know obviously this will help the andretti driver make progress towards obtaining a super license especially with andretti looking to get into f1 with their proposal that they made a f- couple months ago uh, but my question is what is zack brown's grand plan here why is he helping andretti or is it just a financial deal uh, because you know zack brown is expanding mclaren's operations across the motorsport industry but what does this particular deal mean for mclaren I mean Zac Brown has long lasting ties with Andretti from the past. So if you remember the first McLaren IndyCar project with uh with Fernando Alonso in back in 2017 was with Andretti and uh, Zac Brown's United Autosport also runs some deal with Andretti if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Walkinshaw, some Walkinshaw Andretti international something yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I so, yeah. So yeah. so So Zac Brown has a long lasting tie has long lasting ties with Andretti. So it may be a result of do, those you know business relations as such. But then again there's definitely a financial aspect for it uh, aspect to it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Zac Brown's thinking but the way he has operated McLaren for over the last few years has been revolutionary and has been a proper motorsports organization what what a proper motorsports organization should be in europe we have those in us we have the andretti's we have the chip ganassi's and the penskis but we needed that in europe and in the top flight so we now have that so it's it's exciting to say the least absolutely absolutely um oh, and then one last thing for mclaren was they're innovating with wheel guns apparently there are optical sensors that tell uh you know um the mechanic when the wheel guns have been tightened so clearly you know mclaren are pushing boundaries everywhere uh, especially with the new rules and regulations that uh, you know prevented from uh, you know prevents some technology or innovations in the pit stop uh i guess aspect of of going racing in formula 1 so it's great to see mclaren you know push push it forward uh i'm not sure if the other teams will adopt this or try to adop- adopt this uh, as quickly as possible but uh hopefully you know this does help uh, mclaren with uh, their strategy yeah obviously i mean as you said pit stops are as crucial as anything else in formula 1 and with less pit stops expected this season with the new tire degradation rates basically 
so the single pit stops is going to be the single pit stop is going to be more important than last year in 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 some ways you know so yeah absolutely yep definitely definitely but enough about mclaren vedan uh let's uh you know uh move our focus i guess to mercedes um the only headline they made i feel this uh, particular testing was their new no side pod <laughs> design i guess uh you know yeah. uh what do you think about it uh definitely i think uh, krishnan came out and said that they are definitely legal uh and uh, it's obviously another extreme direction that mercedes has, has taken compared to all other teams on the grid uh but what were your impressions to me uh the car doesn't look exactly great uh you know uh but you know that has nothing to do with performance and if mercedes have gone down that route uh i i'll be surprised if if you know uh it i'll be surprised if they are slower because of that yeah uh or anything like that i think you know uh, if if they have taken that decision i'm sure uh there's a lot of merit behind it yeah absolutely uh, i mean as you said the look of the car is not great so i don't i don't feel it is a formula 1 car you know we we know formula 1 cars with uh, with side pods we know formula 1 cars with air openings on the on the drivers either side so it does not look a formula 1 would look like a formula 1 car and you know those crash structures sticking out make it feel weird if i may use the word but as you said if mercedes have taken that route even though they are struggling right now with purposing and with other things with understeer and everything like that if mercedes has taken that taken that uh, that route it has it definitely has merit because mercedes has one of the best uh, engineers in their team so yeah absolutely yep yep another another thing to point out is you know the fact that uh, all of these concepts that the teams have gone for have uh, a limit to how upgradable they are in a way right and uh, we'll see as the season progresses as to how fast and how much the, these teams are able to exploit the potential of the design design decisions they have made now uh, and th- that we can see on the track so it'll be interesting to see how uh, you know um, the the mercedes design develops over the course of the season the next 2 3 seasons even uh and how much potential it has uh but we'll see about it obviously these were the three teams that made uh the major headlines during testing but let's come to uh let's talk about the favorites for uh you know the season opener in bahrain ferrari now vedant i said time and again you know i'm hedging my bets against ferrari <laughs> ferrari obviously uh it has been it's been very encouraging because they haven't had any issues but we've seen similar testing stuff before and then we've seen ferrari you know fall uh, not, not be as high up uh, the order as we would expect but what are your expectations from ferrari going into the next weekend well i think first of all f- right now the ferrari li- driver lineup is one of the best in their recent years now obviously no disrespect to seb or kimi but kimi was in his you know latter years of the career and seb was in his prime but you know the team the whole team dynamic was not perfect most uh, ferrari did have some internal political issues there was a lot of personal changing so you know whenever we saw potential with ferrari in the in the car there were some different aspects to it that were not working right now the ferrari is a new breed the two drivers are in the prime of their careers the the revamp the ferrari revamp from 20, after 2019 and 2020 is in its full swing so no doubt ferrari are the favorites they had two trouble free tests 
six days of trouble free testing and everyone's calling everyone is calling them the favorites but then again you never know what happens in the first race of the season so yeah it's definitely yep, and, very uh, exciting for 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 yep, and Lewis and, and Lewis and Russell you know playing down Mercedes is, uh, and saying that they won't be competing for wins at the start of the season is like telling me that Santa Claus is real <laughs> uh, as people have pointed out on Twitter so you know I'm I'm not going to believe them one bit uh, but let's talk about the rest of the teams you know uh, pretty anonymous uh, especially Alpha Tori they had an incident free uh, test once again uh, but you know pretty quiet uh, Williams had a suspension failure and they were pretty embarrassed about it but you know not a whole lot else coming out from the team uh, again, Alpine finally had a decent test after you know the, their struggles in Barcelona uh, with the engine and the car. So it, uh, that's good news for El Plan. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, finally, you know both uh, Bottas and Joe got a decent amount of time in the car. So that's good for Alfa Romeo. Uh, Aston Martin again, it, they seem to be struggling. The general consensus says that you know the car is not where uh, Aston Martin, where the drivers want it to be. So you know it might not be all good news for uh, Papa Stroll, uh, like you said, and he might be a little bit furious going into the season. But it, but it just seems like you know that the midfield from last year will be just as close going into the season this year. Uh, but it'll be the progression throughout uh, the season that'll make the difference at the end. Yeah, I think. So, so from what we have seen from the lower teams of last year, it's definitely a progress. There are no struggles. There's no, like, so there was issues. There were issues. There were reliability issues in Barcelona, but I think Bahrain, the Bahrain test has been relatively issue-free for all of the teams except for that Williams failure, suspension failure. But I think the in the end, the group will be more closed up. So you know. When there's a new set of regulations, like we saw in 2014, the group does uh, like uh, wander uh, off a bit, so the gaps between teams become larger, and then the convergence begins. But I think this time with these new regulations, the gaps, the initial gaps might be smaller than in 2014 or 2009, for example. But it's going to be very exciting how these teams converge into that one single operating window because if you see all these teams have gone for a variety of different philosophies design philosophies and i don't remember seeing such varied design philosophies in my 10 11 years as a proper formula one fan yeah uh it's definitely gonna be exciting and now one last thing uh and obviously it is about uh, the team that won the Drivers' Championship last year. Uh, Red Bull, Max Verstappen went out and post posted a headline time in the closing stages of the final day of testing. Uh, but everybody is saying, you know, don't read into that too much. Uh, Red Bull did show their hand, but uh, that doesn't mean that the game is over. Uh, but what were your thoughts on that, Vedant? Uh, well, I think that was definitely a power play. That was definitely a glory run. Of course, Red Bull is fast. Of course, they'll be in the top five. Uh, like of course Max Verstappen will be in the top 5 drivers throughout the season at almost every race right but I think that headline time was just to show their hand and just to you know uh, take a place of power and just assert their domination just the way. mind games yeah just the mind yep, games just Absolutely. the mind games uh, but also very weird from Red Bull to you know introduce a major upgrade in the last couple of hours of testing instead of you yeah. know introducing <laughs> it uh, much earlier but uh 
you know that's i i feel that's very red bull they've done that in the past uh, i believe where they've brought up major upgrades towards the last few hours of testing uh, but we'll see how this pans out obviously you know drawing up at least in my opinion drawing up any sort of pegging order is near impossible at this point of time uh, and we'll only know after uh, you know uh, the end of qualifying on saturday uh, that what the actual pegging order is for the season but um before we wrap up this podcast vedant what are your expectations going into the first race of the season in about 6 days time uh, well it's very difficult to say what the expectations are i think obviously the top 4 teams we know of red bull mercedes ferrari and hopefully mclaren but i think alfa tauri is going to be the dark horse this season they were the dark horse last season they were going to be like they were supposed to be the third or fourth fastest team across all races but they botched it up operationally and through drivers driver errors but i think right now like pierre gasly obviously we know is one of the best drivers in formula 1 right now so he just needs to make his starts better and choose his fights better he he struggled with that last season and yuki tsunoda i think is a more mature driver and he has learned from his mistakes from his recent interviews so i think alfa tauri is going to be a very interesting prospect we have seen that they are quick we have not seen any issues from them but yeah i think alfa tauri would be that middle team which will differentiate between the lower and the upper rung of the ladder yeah that's uh, i i could i could see that happening uh, you know uh, i could see that coming through uh, my own expectation going to this weekend as much as i am you know uh, hedging my bets against it uh, you know hedging my expectations i'm still uh, you know secretly hoping that everything about ferrari that people are saying comes true <laughs> so that uh, we are we have a reason to celebrate at uh the end of the first race weekend but um yeah that's all from our side for this podcast thank you vedant for joining me once again uh it's been again you know fun talking to you and uh just can't wait to get go racing once again in about 6 days time uh thank you for thank you to our listeners for listening to us and uh we'll catch you on the next one uh bye bye